Welcome to Radar Contact, the audio show that teaches pilots how to speak professionally and with confidence to air traffic control. And now here's your host, airline pilot, author, and host of ATCCommunication.com, Jeff Canarish. If you're a fan of American or Canadian football, I'm sure you'll recognize the following sound clip for what it is. If you're not familiar with American or Canadian football, stand by. I'll explain right after the clip. We're going dice right, ice cream, alert, 654, Jose. Round Richmond, 96 double! <laughs> Did you recognize the significance of that? Yes? No? That was the sound of a football quarterback telling his teammates what to do on the next play. Bear with me for a second if you knew what you were listening to. This show has listeners in more than 40 different countries, and most of those folks think that football is what we here in the U.S. call soccer. In fairness to those not familiar with American or Canadian football, I'll take just a minute to explain. Football, as we know it in the U.S., involves two teams of opposing players who attempt to carry or kick a ball into an area at the end of a 100- or 110-yard field, depending on the country. If you're familiar with rugby, football has a lot of similarities to that sport. The strategy and movements of the team playing on the offensive role is controlled by a leader called the quarterback. Okay, you can stop laughing at me. It's not easy describing football in just a few sentences, and I'm not sure I even did a very good job of it. But in any case, the quarterback tells each player on his team what the strategy will be for each upcoming play by using code words. The code words he uses refer to a specific sequence of moves spelled out in a playbook. The playbook describes what each player on the team will do when the football is put into play. Why does the quarterback use code words? Why doesn't he just speak in plain English? Two reasons. First, by using code, the quarterback prevents the opposing team from overhearing and anticipating what is coming next. In other words, using code to describe a play helps the quarterback maintain the element of surprise against the opposition. Second, and this is relevant to our discussion, using code words allows the quarterback to describe a very complicated sequence of moves in just a few words. Well, all that's very interesting, but what does it have to do with what you and I discuss on this show, namely air traffic control communication? Let me explain. Air traffic controllers are the quarterbacks of the aviation world. They call plays that direct pilots safely through airspace. They use code words that describe a complex sequence of moves in very few words. Most importantly for you and I, the plays that controllers use come from a playbook. Here is where we as pilots have a big advantage over the players on the opposing team in a football game. We have access to every single play in a controller's playbook. Even before we start the engine of our airplane to take flight, we can know every single option an air traffic controller has to control our airplane. There are no secrets in air traffic control, and knowing this, there should never be an element of surprise when we fly. I think one of the reasons new pilots have such a hard time understanding ATC when they fly is because they are not thoroughly familiar with all of the code words in an air traffic controller's playbook. Now, let's acknowledge learning to fly takes a lot of study. There's no doubt about it. There's a lot to know. And among all the things there are to learn, is it really worth your time trying to learn the words in the ATC playbook? Yes, of course it is. Let me ask the question another way. 
Let's say you're planning to travel to a foreign country where no one speaks your native language. Don't you think it might be worth your time to learn enough words of the foreign language to navigate comfortably around that country? For example, due to my career as an international pilot, I spend a lot of time in countries where the locals speak Spanish. I might not be able to hold a conversation in Spanish with a local on the politics of their country, but I sure as heck know how to order food and drink, ask for hotel room necessities such as towels or a bar of soap, ask where to find a bathroom, ask for basic directions to my destination, and so on. Now here's the good news. Unlike Spanish, which has a vocabulary of thousands and thousands of words, the language of the ATC playbook has less than a few hundred words. It really will not take you much time to learn the vocabulary and the playbook of ATC. Today, to get you started, let's look at the playbook for an airport tower controller. In our last Radar Contact show, we talked a little bit about airport tower strategy. In this show, we're going to dig a little deeper, again with the understanding that the more you know about the options in a controller's playbook, the more you'll be able to understand, and the less you'll be surprised when tower tells you to do something. First, before we get into the plays, you need to know where to find the playbook itself. The entire playbook is called Joint Order 7110.65. It's something the FAA creatively calls air traffic control. Pilots know it as the air traffic controller's manual, and air traffic controllers simply refer to it as point .65 or .65. The FAA regularly updates point .65 with changes, and when they do, they add a letter suffix to the joint order number. For example, the latest version of point .65 as I record this show is JO7165 Uniform, which is published on an effective date of February 9, 2012. You might notice it's been more than two years since the last update. On the surface, it doesn't seem that the FAA keeps the playbook very current. What it really means is that the basics of air traffic control do not change much from year to year, which is really good for pilots. Actually, the FAA only issues new versions of the playbook when there is a significant number of changes to the contents. The agency might put out supplements to the playbook and announce those small changes to the pilots and the operators affected by the change. They usually do that by a notum. Okay, enough said about point .65 in general. Let's go to the specific section of the playbook that affects air traffic control in the airport pattern. For that, we go to Chapter 3, Section 8 of point .65, which is titled Spacing and Sequencing. And by the way, you can download a free copy of JO71.65 Uniform using the links in the show notes for this show. If you're listening to the show in iTunes and you want to use the link, go to atccommunication.com. The show notes for this show will be in the supporting article called Control Tower Options right on the homepage of the website. All right, looking at Section 8 of Chapter 3, you'll see an entry right at the beginning called Sequencing Slash Spacing Application. Right under that title, you'll see in italics a subtitle called Phraseology. Boom, right there a complete listing of all the code words and a description of the plays a tower controller may use to control your flight in an airport traffic pattern. Right away, you can see if you're looking at that section, there are only 19 phrases and perhaps 55 or 60 words a tower controller may use to control your aircraft. How long would it take you to study and memorize the plays in this section of the playbook? 15 minutes? A half hour? 
maybe an hour at the most. It's not a huge investment of your time. Whatever little bit of time you spend learning Towers plays will save you a ton of frustration the next time you try to fly in an airport pattern. Okay, listen. I'm being a little simplistic if I imply the words in Chapter 3 of Point 65 are the only words a tower controller can say to you. You know if you've ever spent any time flying in an airport pattern, the tower controllers can get pretty creative in the way they give instructions to pilots. For example, if you look at the list of phrases in Point 65, you'll see an entry that says, Extend Downwind. Many controllers modify this phrase by saying, Continue on the downwind. And by the way, the word continue is an accepted term described in the Pilot Controller Glossary of the Aeronautical Information Manual and in Point 65. A controller might even go further by saying, Continue on the downwind, I'll call your base leg. Well, why do controllers modify the standard phrases? Because flying is a dynamic activity. Pilots don't always fly their airplanes on a straight and narrow path that perfectly fits the words in point 65. The FAA allows tower controllers to modify their instructions to pilots to fit the situation and to keep traffic flowing safely. What I'm saying is, if you'll learn all 19 phrases in the air traffic controller's playbook, you will be very well prepared, but you will not know the entire language of air traffic control. Remember what I said earlier about knowing Spanish when traveling in a Spanish-speaking country? You don't necessarily have to memorize the entire language to travel comfortably. Well, the same thing applies when traveling in an airport pattern. Know a tower controller's options as they are described in his playbook. Know what those options mean to you as a pilot, and you will have a much easier time understanding what a controller is telling you as you work your way around the pattern. In our last show, I told you I wrote an article for the March issue of Flight Training Magazine, and I wanted to update you that now that we're approaching April, that March issue of Flight Training Magazine is now available online for free. And the link to the magazine article I wrote called Walk the Talk, is in the notes for this show at atccommunication.com. Readers of my book, Radio Mastery for VFR Pilots, will recognize the try-at-home exercise described in the article. A while back, a listener gave me some critical feedback. He told me the radio transmissions I played during this show were not realistic. He said most general aviation radios do not have high-fidelity sound, like the sound of the radio transmissions I use in this show. He said most general aviation radios are low-powered and produce audio that is noisy and hard to understand. I have no argument with that. The reason I play clear, high-fidelity radio transmissions on this show is to make learning easier. Most of the time, the point of the lesson is in the content, not the quality of the transmission. My concern is if I play low-quality radio transmissions, the intent of the transmission will be lost in the static, so to speak. Let's acknowledge that most radio transmissions you hear in the real world are not nearly as clear as the radio transmissions you hear in this show. What can you, as a pilot, do about the real-world problem? Well, you have a couple of choices. First, if you own your own airplane, you can spend a lot of money and buy a set of radios that produce crystal clear sound. More money usually equals better quality radios, but not always. The quality of sound produced by a radio is also influenced by its power source, wiring, antenna location, 
and configuration, among other factors. And I can tell you that the radios on the Boeing 767s I fly are super expensive, high wattage, and have heavily shielded wiring. They produce extremely clear, nearly noise-free sound. My point being, more expensive usually does equate to better radios. If you don't own your own airplane, you can insist on renting airplanes that have the highest quality radios, but that may also be a very high cost proposition. So your second choice is probably more realistic. You can use the highest quality radio headset your budget will allow. A very good headset can filter out a lot of the audio garbage produced by lower quality radios and noisy cockpits. So what is a good headset? If you go to any of the headset manufacturer websites, each manufacturer will tell you why their model of headset is the best. But are they really the best, or is it just marketing hype to sell more headsets? You can also compare numbers among all of the headsets in your price category, but who really knows how those numbers will translate to actual listening experience? Furthermore, since comfort is a big part of headset quality, comfort cannot be expressed in real numbers. I think the only way to really know which headset will be best for you is to try them out before you buy one. If you have friends in the aviation community, you can ask their opinion, or better yet, ask to borrow the headset for a test run. Well, guess what? By listening to this show, you are part of an aviation community with a specific interest in radio communication. I think it would be great if some of the members of this community told us about their experience with aviation headsets so we can all help each other out. I mean, I can tell you about my headset, but my opinion would only be of interest to pilots who fly in the relatively quiet cockpit of a commercial airliner. Here's what I'd like you to do. Below the notes for this show at atccommunication.com, you'll find a comment section where you can add your opinion. The comment section does not require you to sign in or do anything special before adding your comment. All you have to do is scroll down to the comment box and start writing. If you have a headset model that does a good job for you, or even one that you absolutely hate, tell us about it. You don't have to write a novel, just a sentence or two about the make and model of your headset and what you think of it. I'll kick it off by writing a comment on the headset I use, so you can use it as an example if you like. Don't be shy. We really want to hear your opinion on your favorite headset. Take a minute to give it a shot, and once again, if you're listening to the show in iTunes, go to atccommunication.com and look for the article supporting this edition of Radar Contact. It's called Tower Controller Options. I and your fellow pilots look forward to hearing from you. In our last Radar Contact show, I put out a quiz that put you in the shoes of an airport tower controller. And the quiz asked you to make some decisions about how to control traffic in specific situations at your airport. A lot of pilots participated in the quiz, and the results were excellent. Almost everyone who participated got at least 85% of the answers correct. I also received a few emails either challenging a correct answer I provided for the quiz or asking a question about tower control. One question in particular produced mixed results, and the setup for the question was this. You have an airplane already established in the airport pattern approaching left base leg. Another airplane is inbound to the airport and reports entering a right base leg. The correct answer I provided said you, as the tower controller, should tell the airplane entering the right base to make a left 360-degree turn, delaying his entry into the pattern. 
This delaying maneuver would allow the other airplane already established in the pattern to continue number one for the runway. The counter to my answer is the airplane entering the right base is ahead of the airplane approaching the left base. Therefore, the airplane entering the right base should be number one for the runway and the airplane approaching the left base should be delayed. And that's a valid argument. It really is a judgment call and I chose right-of-way rules over aircraft position. Either way, I appreciate the feedback I got from pilots who challenged me on this question. It's always good to think these situations through and ask the controller when something doesn't make sense to you. If you've been following me at Twitter, you probably read some tweets which updated progress on version 2 of the aircraft radio simulator. Right now, version 2 is fully responsive to pilot control with a moving control yoke and responsive flight instruments. Version 2 of the simulator has a moving map display similar to version 1, but the new version updates 60 times per second and moves fluidly. The moving map also has an airport mode that shows your position very accurately in relation to an active runway. The new version now has a 3D view of the world through the front windscreen of the simulator, something the old version does not have. The 3D view includes ground, skies, clouds, and runways, and is 90% complete in production. Some pilots have asked me, why am I spending so much time on the flight simulation aspects of the program when all that is really needed is a program to teach radio work? The answer is, radio calls are not made in a classroom. They are made in a moving airplane where the environment is continually changing. I firmly believe one of the most difficult parts of radio work is knowing what to say as the flight situation changes. Most student pilots can tell you what the radio call would be for a situation when they're sitting at a desk. Those same students have a much more difficult time producing the correct radio call when flying and navigating. That's why the aircraft radio simulator connects radio work to real-time flight. I expect to put out a working demonstration of the simulator online in another week, fingers crossed. Keep an eye on my Twitter feed for announcements on the release of the demo. And if you aren't already following me at Twitter, you can use the follow me icon on the right edge of any page at atccommunication.com or you can go to my feed at twitter.com forward slash atc underscore Jeff, ATC underscore Jeff, and click the follow me button there. Not only do I provide updates on the sim at that feed, I tweet about tips and techniques you can use when talking to ATC. One thing I try to do at Twitter is stay relevant. If you follow me, you won't read about what I had for dinner last night or what I think of the current TV season. The feed is about you, flying, and ATC. You'll also find many real air traffic controllers comment at my feed. And by the way, if you're an air traffic controller and you're listening to me right now, thank you so much for adding your comments to my Twitter feed. I'm really honored that you're participating, and I know the pilots who visit my feed really appreciate hearing about ATC from real air traffic controllers. Here's a quick update on a new ATC procedure if you are a pilot qualified to fly IFR. On March 6, 2014, the FAA announced it will begin using a new air traffic control phase. Effective on the 3rd of April, 2014, which is just a couple of weeks away, air traffic controllers will begin using the phrase, climb via, 
when issuing clearances to some pilots flying standard instrument departures. The phrase climb via means the pilot should comply with all lateral and vertical guidance on a published standard instrument departure, including complying with any published altitude and speed restrictions printed on the departure. And by the way, if you're not IFR qualified, this announcement probably sounds like typical government emphasis on the obvious. Not so, and let me explain quickly. Prior to this new procedure, a pilot cleared to fly according to a published instrument departure was expected to climb with the routing only on that procedure. ATC had to clear pilots to climb to each succeeding altitude, and often ATC would also assign specific speeds for the pilot to fly. With the new climb via phrase, ATC will expect the pilot to climb and accelerate according to instructions written on the specific departure procedure for an airport. ATC will otherwise remain silent after the climb via clearance, except to intervene to avoid a traffic conflict. If you'd like to look at a PDF version of the FAA announcement, I have placed a link to the document in the show notes for this edition of Radar Contact. And now, let's get to your question of the week. You are practicing takeoffs and landings at a tower-controlled airport. While on downwind, you make this radio transmission. Cessna 30 Delta requests the option. The tower controller replies, Cessna 30 Delta, unable stop and go. Other options are approved. Here's your question. Given tower's response, are you permitted to make a full stop landing from your next approach? When you think you know the answer to that question, go to the link atccommunication.com forward slash answers. There you'll find the correct answer along with a full explanation of how that answer was derived. Music for this show was provided by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com on a Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. If you're flying this week, I hope you have beautiful weather and a great time. And if you plan to fly at a tower-controlled airport, do take the time to read the section of Joint Order 71.65 that talks about sequencing and separation in an airport pattern. You and Air Traffic Control work together on the same team. It really helps to know exactly what is in the team playbook. I'm Jeff Canarish for ATCCommunication.com saying be well, keep in touch, and fly safe.